Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. We are one church that meets in various locations across Greater Manchester. For more information about who we are and where we meet, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. Tonight we're going to be looking at one of the most um, familiar and best loved uh, stories in the Gospels. It's a moment in Jesus' ministry um, that I think really highlights his kindness and his compassion for the people that he encountered. Uh, it's the story of the woman who was caught in adultery. So we're going to read from John chapter 8, verses 1 to 11. It should come up on the screen behind me as well. That's John chapter 8, verses 1 to 11. It says, But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn he appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left, with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Cool. So as we go through this story this evening, we're going to be looking at it through the lens of who Jesus is. Um, so I think there are three main things that we can pick up on about Jesus from this story. Um, and the first one is that he was tested. Uh, secondly, Jesus invites us to offer grace. And then finally, Jesus covers our shame with his sinlessness. I wonder, have you ever been in an argument with someone or maybe like a heated debate when you suddenly realise, I just cannot win in this situation? By one way or another, they are going to catch me out. Perhaps you've got a particularly annoying sibling who just knows you really, really well. They know exactly how to push your buttons. We've probably all been in a situation like this at one time or another where we've been caught out or manipulated. In abusive relationships, this happens sometimes uh, with gaslighting and twisting words, or maybe um, on a smaller scale, people manipulate each other simply for their own personal gain. It turns out Jesus was no stranger at all to this kind of behaviour when he walked on earth. The first thing that becomes clear in this story that we've read is that Jesus was manipulated. Jesus had been set up. The religious leaders of the day, bring this woman to Jesus who had quite literally been caught in the act of adultery. I think to catch someone in the act of adultery, you most probably have to have been spying on them uh, or lurking around wherever they live uh, in order to actually be able to know for sure uh, what they're doing at that moment. You don't often just bump into someone committing adultery, do you? So these guys have intentionally brought this woman out in order to shame her. She's most likely completely naked or maybe with only a sheet to cover herself. She's been completely humiliated. 
And yet the man in this scenario is not brought out and he is not shamed. It obviously takes two people to have an affair, doesn't it? And yet the man is nowhere to be seen in this story. As has been the case for centuries, women were held to a much higher moral standard than men. And so she's being shamed here and is really being used as a tool um, in these Jewish leaders' games. Uh, And in verse 5, they say to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? So we can see that the goal here was to test Jesus, to trap him. They weren't really bothered about what happened to this woman and whether she should be punished or not. Uh, and, And here was the test. If Jesus had said, yeah, you're right, go ahead and stone her, then Jesus would have been in violation of Roman law. Uh, And Rome was in charge um, of this area at the time. And Rome was the only authority that could bring about capital punishment. So if Jesus had said, go ahead, then he would have been arrested and taken away um, straight away. But if he had said, don't stone her, then he would have been in violation of the Old Testament law of Moses. And all the Jews that were stood there would have thought he was a liar. So the Pharisees were trapping Jesus. They were manipulating him in this situation. They were actively trying to get him to disagree with the law so that they could get rid of him themselves. And they were trying to appear righteous while they did this for their own personal gain. So it does look like Jesus is really stuck between a rock and a hard place. I'm sure these guys stood around probably would have been thinking, we've really got him now. There's no way for him to worm his way out of this one. But what these men don't realise is that they're trying to manipulate God. They're trying to manipulate someone who is infinitely more intelligent than them. And so what we see, firstly, is that Jesus won't be manipulated. He doesn't respond yet verbally, but he does a very strange thing. He kneels down and he starts writing in the dirt. He gets down on the floor, which is something uh, that Jewish rabbis would never have done, uh, especially not in public in front of loads of people. And he starts writing in the dirt, and the Bible does not record what he wrote, and sadly, I do not have the revelation for us this evening. (laughs) But some scholars have guessed that he might have written Exodus 23, verse 1, which says, you must not spread a false report. Do not join the wicked to be a malicious witness. And other scholars think he might have written Jeremiah 17, 13, which says, Lord, the hope of Israel, all who abandon you will be put to shame. All who turn away from me will be written in the dirt, for they have abandoned the Lord, the fountain of living water. So there was Jesus stooped down in the dirt, not rising to their games and manipulation, but in grace, teaching them a lesson, uh, and they didn't get it. In verse 7, it says they persisted in questioning him. It was like it went in one ear and out the other. Perhaps some of them were standing there thinking, This doesn't really apply to me. Uh, Maybe others didn't even bother to look down to read uh, what he'd written on the ground. But Jesus does not get angry. He persists in teaching them about the state of their own hearts. And he essentially says to them, "Okay, so you guys want to fulfill the law. The law says that there must be one who is worthy and sinless to cast the stone. So whichever one of you that is without sin, then go for it. I mean, what a way to silence the crowd. And the Bible tells us that one by one, they each started to walk away. They felt convicted in their hearts and it led them to grace. So this is the first thing that we see in this passage, that despite being God, Jesus knew what it was to be tested by humans. And yet 
Jesus didn't test back. He didn't manipulate back in order to get what he wanted. So I wonder, just firstly this evening, where in our lives might we be using others for our own personal gain? Or perhaps where in our lives are we being tested and we need to act with humility and with grace? What encourages me from this story is that Jesus knows this feeling so well. In the midst of arrogance, Jesus displayed great humility in stooping down in front of this woman and in front of all of these men. We have a God who is human, who knows what it is to be tested, who knows what it is to feel temptation and still acted with humility. Jesus could have absolutely wiped the floor with these guys and yet chose to simply convict them with grace, redirect their hearts towards grace. As I'm sure most of us are fully aware, we live in a very, very high-stakes culture, a black-and-white thinking cancel culture where we witness the, the rapid rise and fall of political leaders and celebrities all the time. Um, the internet is an unforgiving place, isn't it? I recently came across a website that listed the top 20 celebrities who were cancelled for various things that they'd said or done in 2023. And we might like to think that our culture nowadays is so far advanced from the first century brutalities that we read about. And yes, in Britain, we are no longer crucifying or stoning people. Um, But the way that people are cancelled and disregarded emotionally can be pretty violent and brutal. We have a very strong sense of right and wrong, and there's not that much space given for anything in between. And we can find the same to be true in our own minds as well, can't we? I can be quite a black and white thinker. And sometimes my husband will help me out by asking the question, where's the grey in this situation? Where's the grace? I think God wants us to be able to see the grey. In this story, Jesus encourages all of these angry men stood in this circle around this woman to see the grey. He interrupts their judgmentalism and their bitterness towards this vulnerable person with one pivotal sentence. Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And the crowd goes silent. We see here that it only takes one person in a conversation that is headed in a certain direction to change the trajectory of it. Black and white thinking and judgmentalism might feel easier in the moment, but it actually only leads to stress, um, anger and resentment. Whereas choosing to live, seeing the grey, choosing to listen uh, to someone's story, to have compassion on them and to show grace is infinitely more fulfilling and life-giving. Jesus came and stood right in the middle. He stood in the grey to show us what grace looks like. The time of harsh laws and merciless punishments that these Pharisees were living in led them to be so quick to punish and to judge. And that is what black and white thinking leads us to do, to punish others and to judge them. In situations that make us feel like our anger is warranted or our judgment feels pretty fair, God wants us to choose grace. God knows, and neuroscience actually tells us as well, that judgmental and bitter thoughts are bad for our health. And practicing forgiveness and grace are so good for us. That's why one of our cultures at CCM is think the best. We want to be assuming the best of people, even perhaps when they might give us reason to think otherwise. We want our default to be mercy, love and forgiveness. Um, I was 14 years old when I became a Christian. um, And around this time, something 
pretty devastating had happened in my family. A member of my family had been abused by someone and I experienced really, really deep anger for the first time ever. And I remember walking around school not being able to think uh, about anything else except for how much I just resented this person who had hurt my family. And then one day I was in a church service and I had an experience of the Holy Spirit for the first time. I was met with this feeling of pure joy and release from pain. But also, I remember feeling as though I was being washed clean. So I was a little bit confused because I didn't really feel like I was the guilty one. Um, But as I felt forgiven and kind of cleansed by God, it was as though he released me to forgive this person. And that began a process of forgiveness. It began a journey of forgiveness. And Jesus highlights to the men in this story that we are all sinful. We are all unworthy and miss the standard all the time. And so therefore, when we hold on to resentment, when we judge others, we are hypocritical, just like these Pharisees. We live in a culture, like we've said, that is so quick to cancel people out Um, even for the slightest mistake or or for something that they did in a distant past. Imagine for a moment if God treated us this way. It's a scary thought, isn't it? The psalmist uh, in Psalm 130 very rightfully says, if you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, who could stand? When we see ourselves rightly against the backdrop of this perfect and holy God, we are humbled We no longer feel the need to belittle others with our words in order to to feel bigger and better. We are put back onto the level playing field, which is just us all and then God. We drop the stones that we were ready to throw at others when we're met with the grace of God. And as we've seen throughout this series in John that we've been going through, Jesus was on an absolute forgiveness mission when he was on earth. He spoke so often of forgiving others. And forgiveness in itself, I think, is a sort of healing. Like I mentioned, when I experienced the forgiveness of God, I was healed and set free to forgive others. Forgiveness removes the burden that can crush and cripple you. And it even spreads out into whole communities of people. Think of um, Desmond Tutu, who chaired the really harrowing Commission for Truth and Reconciliation in South Africa after the time of of the apartheid, his slogan for his campaign was no future without forgiveness. We all deserve really to be cancelled out forever, unable to even approach God's throne, much less stand before it. But in an extraordinary act of love, God offers us something really different, forgiveness through Christ. And this leads us on to our next point, which is that Jesus covered our sin with his sinlessness. I wonder, have you ever been exposed by someone for something? Um, I remember when I finished secondary school, I moved to uh, a sick form college and I had chosen history as one of my A-levels. Um, but my history teacher at this sick form college was one of the scariest men I have ever met in my whole life. Um, he would pick on you seemingly just to try and catch you out. He had this rule that if you didn't bring your homework or even just your history book, um, then you would be sent out of the class And if you arrived even one minute late, then you weren't allowed into the lesson. Uh, And so he, on on the hour, he would actually lock the door. Um, I'm not actually sure how ethical that was. Probably wouldn't happen now. Um, But after being at this new sick form for just two weeks, I got to college one day, looked in my bag, uh, and realised that the fateful day had arrived. I had forgotten my history homework. 
And I was absolutely horrified. And I was stood outside in this kind of courtyard area. And I remember I called my mum and I hatched this plan with her that I would simply say I had a dentist appointment. And so I had to get out of there and leave college and miss my history lesson. So shout out to my mum for encouraging me to lie. Um, (laughs) And about an hour later, just before I was about to sneak away, someone came and got me from the assembly that I was in. Uh, and said, you need to go to Mr. Thompson's office. He wants to see you. Um, And so I thought this was quite weird. But I went to his office, and as I arrived, I saw his open window, and I recognised the place where I'd been stood outside in this courtyard. And I saw how close his desk was to the window, and I just knew straight away what had happened. I had been vocalising my plan to lie to him just outside his, his office window. He had caught me red-handed, and it's safe to say that was not a fun conversation. Um, Being exposed for something that you've done by someone else with more authority can be a terrifying thing. It was for me, and that was just a teacher. But this woman's trauma in our story would have been off the scale, dragged away from an intimate and secret moment, completely naked. She was publicly exposed in front of everyone. When this teacher discovered my lie, I would have done absolutely anything to find a way out of being exposed by him. I was desperate for an out, for a way in which I wouldn't have to deal with the consequences of what I'd done. I imagine this woman would have been pretty desperate for a ticket out of that circle of men. After all these men have left, and it's just Jesus and the woman, he asks her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she replies, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and from now on, sin no more. Here, Jesus not only forgave the woman's sin, but he also publicly condemned anyone else who would condemn her. So his grace extended not just to saving her soul, but also to redeeming her whole life. I don't know about you, but I can sometimes find myself kind of glossing over the sin of the people that Jesus loved um, and forgave Um, during his time on earth, it can be easy to think, well, they were vulnerable people and Jesus loved them, so they can't have been that bad. Um, I can sometimes forget that these people were sinful. They did cause pain. They did cause hurt to others. Adultery causes pain. This is not a small thing. This woman's marriage will have suffered or most likely fallen apart because of her actions. Our sin is so real, but Jesus' compassion is way bigger Jesus extended his grace. He knew that he would ultimately substitute in this woman's place on the cross. Jesus knew that she was the lost that he had come to seek and save. And by letting her go and saying, sin no more, Jesus was not trivialising sin and just looking the other way. He was foreshadowing what he intended to do for us. Deal with sin once and for all, pay for it in full. When Jesus went to the cross, he was sinless and perfect. And not only did he allow the very people he was saving to murder him, he actually made himself guilty with our sin. He chose to take that on himself. He chose to pay the price that we should have paid. In 2 Corinthians, it says, God made him who had no sin to become sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What a wacky reality that now... When God looks at us, he sees the sinless perfection of Jesus. Jesus covered our exposure, our sin, our being caught red-handed with his perfection. Jesus covered 
this exposed woman with his grace. I wonder if this woman even knew how to accept the mercy that Jesus was showing her. I would love to have been able to witness this moment between Jesus and this woman, the moment she received the grace and the love of God. Jesus' mercy and grace extends to everyone who calls out to him, no matter what kind of life they've lived or who they've been or even how long they've been rejecting him for. My granddad is 92 years old and has been a stark atheist for his whole life. His favourite book has always been The God Delusion um, by Richard Dawkins, which is a very famous, essentially, anti-God book. Uh, And my mum's been praying for him for years, and he ended up asking her to stop praying um, because he's described himself as a hopeless case when it comes to being a Christian. Um, As a side note, occasionally God will speak to me through a very random thought that crosses my mind that I wouldn't ordinarily have had. And about four or five months ago, I was sat at home writing a preach for a Sunday service um, about the Good Shepherd, and I was really, really engrossed in writing this preach. And as I was writing it, I had one of those thoughts that came out of nowhere. And the thought was essentially just call your granddad and tell him what you're writing about. And I argued with the thought by saying, he's never accepted anything we've said about God. Why is today going to be any different? And the Holy Spirit, I think, said to me, he's going to ask you what you're doing and you just need to explain. I argued back again by saying, he doesn't ask questions anymore. He's past that. Um, But then I did start thinking I should probably stop arguing with God if this is God. Um, And so I did call him. And of course, the first thing he said was, hi, Rosie, what are you doing? And I began to tell him about this preach that I was writing about the Good Shepherd. And he proceeded to tell me that he had decided to become a Jesus follower and that he had asked Jesus to forgive him for all the sins he committed over his whole life. Uh, And I got on the phone to my mum straight away afterwards and she was amazed and overjoyed and said to me that that morning she had been praying for him that he would have an opportunity to hear about the grace of God that day. And so Jesus' grace reached a man who had spent 92 years actively rejecting him. The man who was hanging on a cross next to Jesus as he was dying was a thief who had lived his life rejecting Jesus. And then in his last moments... He says to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replies to him, truly, I say to you, today you'll be with me in paradise. Jesus is the giver of grace and he gives it abundantly. And he wants to extend this grace to us this evening. What he did for this woman in this story, what he did for my granddad, um, by covering her sin and redeeming her and his sin and redeeming him, he offers that to us this evening. Wherever we're at, he invites us into that redemption. He's not concerned with where we've been or what we've done. He is willing and eager to meet us with his mercy and love. I really think his grace is like a soothing balm that heals our sin and our pain and our regret and our shame. And whether it's that you're feeling tonight like you want to ask for forgiveness um, from God or the ability to forgive someone else, or perhaps you just feel moved to be a non-judgmental presence, a giver of grace in a very black and white culture. Thanks for listening. Christchurch Manchester is one church that meets in various locations across Greater Manchester. To explore this sermon or learn more about our church, please navigate to the links provided in this podcast description.
from there you can connect with us on social media and you're welcome to check out the music links featured in this episode from our very own musicians you can also discover current events and information about where we meet on sundays and various groups or community projects that you can join in with if you're interested in knowing more about us or wish to join us for one of our meetings please reach out simply drop us an email at hello at ccm.org.uk we look forward to connecting